1: From Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace.
2: Hello everyone, salam. Welcome to another episode of She Talks Peace. I am Amin Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, joining you from rainy Manila. My co-host, Dr. Ayaz Abu Bakar, is quite busy today. Uh, she's working on her new uh, series of classes. So you know how teachers can be, they can be sometimes very O.C., about their lesson plans, but she will be joining us next time. You know, it's raining here in uh, Manila, and because it's been raining nonstop for the last few days, my roof has been leaking. I have carpenters in the house. They have to change the uh, metal sheets. They had to remove part of the ceiling, and guess what? Some kittens found their way into my ceiling. And we have been trying to get them out of the ceiling, but they cannot, they, they, they won't. Every time there are people and there's noise, they're very quiet. But at night when there's nobody around, then they make mewling sounds. I think they're looking for their mama. And I don't know what to do. I think we have to remove the whole ceiling to free these kittens. I'm not going to have dead kittens in my ceiling. Oh, my goodness. No, 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 no. And while I was worrying about the kittens in the ceiling of my kitchen, I saw this news from Cyprus that there is a feline coronavirus, a virus attacking cats. In, Syri- in Cyprus that has been killing them. And since January, 300,000 cats have died. Can you imagine that? I, cannot, I can't imagine what, what kind of a virus uh, you know, would be very specific and attack uh, cats in Cyrus. Luckily, it hasn't uh, arrived here in the Philippines. My sister has got two cats that she really loves. And I think it's going to really kill her if those cats got sick. One of the reasons I've been so interested in news about Cyprus is because a friend of mine, a fellow peacebuilder, is joining us for the show. In another part of the world, there is a woman activist, a peacebuilder, who decided to maximize online channels to elevate women's voices and stories of peace building. And uh, she did this storytelling on uh, YouTube way ahead of, uh, of She Talks Peace. Now, Cyprus, as everybody knows, is a small island country in the Mediterranean and has been Engaged in a long standing struggle, the so called Cyprus conflict. There's an ongoing dispute between the leadership of the Greek community in the southern portion of Cyprus and that of the Turkish community situated in the north. And the, the peace activists, mediators have been trying to bring the two groups together so that there would be um, a foundation of peace and uh, security in Cyprus. And the critical role of women cannot be understated. So today I have invited my friend uh, Magda Zinon, a human rights activist whose perspective has been influenced by living in then apartheid South Africa and in Greece and now in divided Cyprus. Her focus lies on the gender perspective within these processes and beyond. She has founded island-wide women's groups, including Hands Across the Divide, the gender advisory team, and the Cyprus Women's Lobby. She's a member of the European Women's Lobby, the Mediterranean Women Mediators Network, and the Women Mediators across the Commonwealth Network. Manda has participated in a documentary was invited to Buckingham Palace in 2019 for Women's Day and was one of four women invited to a virtual roundtable with the UN Secretary General Buquerque in 2020 for the 20th anniversary of the UN Security Council Resolution 1325, which is the foundational uh, resolution for the Women, Peace, and Security Agenda. And finally, Magda has a passion for storytelling, prompting her to host conversations about peace building on her online women's forum called Colliderscope. Not kaleidoscope, but Colliderscope. She has also hosted Women Mediators in Podcasts and titled uh, Her Stories. In 2020, and meet the women's Cyprus, and at the peace table with, and the name of the uh, lady, the woman. Welcome to she talks peace, Magda.
3: Thank you, Amina, for inviting me, and nice to see you again. <laughs> I would like to make one correction to your introduction. Even though we have motherlands, we are separate, and what divides us is the language we speak, and the religion, but we Greek-speaking Cypriot and Turkish speaking Cypriot.
2: I guess that's a, a very important um, basis for bringing the nation together, that everybody considers themselves as uh, a, sacriot, a Cypriot. And not uh, Greek or um, or uh, you know, what, Turkish uh, Cypriot, right? Yes. Because Because I'll tell you a funny story. Um, A very good friend of mine, uh, who was my source of information about matters in Southern Thailand. We had a conversation many years ago. And I was saying, well, how are things in in Southern Thailand? Uh, Is it getting any better? Is it getting any worse? And then he told me, Southern Thailand? You mean Upper Malaya? (laughs) Because most of the, the people there are uh, consider themselves Malay. They used to be part of uh, what is now Malaysia. They used to be part of the kingdom, so they would say Upper Malaya, and that makes uh, reconciliation, peace building more challenging because they don't see themselves as as Thai. Uh, they they see that the, to be Thai you have to be Buddhist. And uh, they're not Buddhist. They don't speak Thai, really. They're uh, so they're considered apart. Makes it really difficult to to find common ground. So anyway, Magda, what made you interested in using storytelling as an avenue for for peace building? Well, to be honest, Amina,
3: the the discourse we hear about all the conflicts or anything that happens in the world has got to do with a male perspective we've mm. got it we have conflict in male terms women are totally um, invisible in anything that mm. happens in the world and i i like to hear stories when i meet someone i will ask questions because i want to know that person in three dimensions and there we we you know it as well we've got so many awesome women that have done so many awesome things and no one knows about them. So to me, opening a space where women can actually speak for themselves and be heard was something that I actually discovered it by chance in 2013 because there was a community media center in the buffer zone and they opened a radio station and I started a woman's program, and I thought, you know what, how many women are going to want to speak to me? Who's going to want to right. speak to me? And, boy, they all wanted to speak to me. No one said <laughs> no to me because no, they weren't getting invited to television. They weren't getting invited to the radio. So offering them a space to speak was like a godsend to them. To me, that's where it started. But it started the, the initial trigger is that I'm actually a naturally curious person. So when I ask you if you're okay, I don't want you to be I'm fine. If you have a problem, I want to hear about it because maybe I can help. Or maybe you just telling me will help you. I have a deep curiosity in people.
2: <laughs> That's very important for somebody who wants to get the stories out of the women. So share with us some of your favorite uh, stories with the peace builders that you posted on Collider Scope or her stories. Well, uh, one of the ones I really
3: enjoyed and was, uh, and I actually started as Picking up only a woman in Cyprus, and then because we're a small community I extended abroad, I mean, I, I had a wonderful young woman who is now no, no longer with us, Natalie Christopher, who's an astro, who was an astrophysicist. Wow! As as well as a peace builder and her way of putting things into context was showing you the universe and telling you how small you were in compared to what was happening in the world to actually put you in a space. That there is a bigger context. She was a right. wonderful, who was also an athlete and tried to do push women in athletics. But she was wonderful in showing people that your conflict is not the center of the world.
2: Right. She was show you the beginning.
3: It was wonderful. And she would put out the micros, uh, the telescope and show it on the screen. <laughs> it was yeah. a wonderful way of, um, everyone landing and saying, you know what? This is important, but I'm not the center of the world. So I've got to find, put myself in the context. Um, I've had a lot of lovely talks. I mean, one of my, one of the first people I interviewed was also Sanam. I didn't know her that well then. Uh huh. And I just reached out because she was a well-known peacebuilder. And we had a wonderful conversation about peace building. But one of my favorites has to be Eve Ensler. Eve Ensler was, uh-huh. is the author of the vagina monologues.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right.
3: And I, I landed an interview with her because I happened to know a friend of her. To me, actually speaking to a person who is gone through the pain of gender-based violence mm-hmm. personally and also seen it in Bosnia initially, it was such an eye-opener to be able to speak to someone about how important it was her for her to actually admit it and get it out and how difficult it was. So mm-hmm. I think that was one of the interviews that was really an eye opener, but all my interviews were important. I don't think there was one person I put online that I did not learn one thing from, at least. And as some, one of the things I've always said is that we tend to believe that women peace builders are only the women that are involved in the peace process. No, they're not. And they're not. And they're yeah. not. You've got to talk to the woman, the educators or the artists mm-hmm. or the scientists. So, to me it was very important to bring these women's voices together because women are the basis of the community okay they keep communities together and they do a lot of things that people don't know about so to me that's very important to unpack that piece is not just the people at the table
2: you remind me of um, the conversations I used to have with uh, women from from my village and uh, what you were saying about uh, Women becoming natural peace builders. I always uh, think about the motivation that uh, the women that I talked to shared with me. You know, it's not uh, you know like that they want to run for governor or they want oh. to get an award for peace building. No, inevitably they would always tell me, "We have no choice. We want our village." to be a village where our children can play outside without worry. We want a home where we can dream that our children will go to school and do well. So we have no choice. And because they have no choice, no matter what their circumstance, they do whatever they can so that they could help mediate. First, you know, it's neighbor to neighbor Conflict And then later on, as, as they progress, then they start going into the more serious uh, conflicts in, in the area. And in my home, it was really with the Moro National Liberation Front. And then uh, you know, decades later, it's uh, violent uh, extremists. So, so I, I understand what you say when the, it doesn't matter. What the station of life is when you talk to a woman who's engaged in in peace building, their stories are fascinating. Mm. But what about the women in uh, in Cyprus, Magda? What are they doing now? What 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 role do they play in really establishing the peace uh, in uh, in your community? Well, the Cyprus has got a frozen conflict.
3: Okay, this is a conflict of Almost 50 years. Yeah. That hasn't been settled. And the fact that it's so drawn out has makes things difficult because there's also comfort zone within each community, more so in the Greek suburb. So it's actually difficult to break barriers. We Mm -hmm. now had, we had a really big opportunity in 2017. They, the negotiators went abroad. We all had hope there'd be a settlement, and then suddenly everything fell apart, and we went from a reunited Cyprus to a two-state solution. Without there being, there was no solution, but this is what they came out with, and there's a lot of despondency. People are feeling, you know what, there's nothing I can do, we're going mm-hmm. just to a two-state solution. So we are trying to get reorganized. There's a lot of smaller stuff going on, and when I say smaller, there's a lot of stuff going in a woman coming together and talking. We've got a new leadership on our side, a new president was voted in in um, February, a new leadership, a fairly new leadership in the North, elections in Greece and in Turkey, and we've got, we've hoping, and the new president in the South is saying, we've got to solve it, even though I don't really believe him, but let's live with the hope that he is being honest.
0: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
3: So people are saying, let's use this opportunity to actually make them accountable. We want them to go to the peace table with good intent, because words are very easy. Okay. But if you don't approach the peace negotiations with the intent to actually solve, because you're not going to get everything you want, but you've got to find a win win situation. So we want them to be accountable and we want them to take forward a process that's inclusive, which means we don't want the continuation of the patriarchal um, peace process. We really need to bring in the women because. There are a lot of women on the island that are capable, and I hate to use that word capable because it's never used in the context of men. That's true. Never used in the context of men. And I remember we had a workshop about eight years ago led by Madeleine Reese from Wilf, Mm -hmm. and she said to me afterwards, why on earth do you not have a peace settlement in Cyprus? I have never seen so many qualified women in one place. So to me, we try to push them to make a substantive inclusion of women, not just women, because we know that we, when you have one or two women, it doesn't mean you're getting in the gender perspective. It doesn't mean you're um, pushing for the inclusive peace process. That's so true. we're trying to put the document together and hopefully get make a community of people that will side to pressurize them to approach the peace process with. Good intent, with positive Mm -hmm. intent, with the good of Cyprus intent, and not just to be listening to Greece or Cyprus, because we, uh, Greece or Turkey, because we do have this motherland issue here in Cyprus. There is a lot of despair Mm -hmm. and lack of hope, because we're just seeing the situation getting, um, closer to a two-state solution, which is not ideal. We're a small island. We share a lot of things. Why on earth would we want to divide this into two? Yeah. Why would we want to have two governments, two policies on climate change, two policies on education, two policies on the foreign policy? We're a small little island of just over a million people. And there are a lot of things that
2: unite us. I get what you're saying. You know, one of our cities in Metro Manila is uh, is bigger and the population is bigger than your entire country. <laughs> so exactly. Like, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, why why would you why would you divide it in how would you divide it? Would it be jagged lines? I mean, the whole concept is 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 really mind boggling. But there is was- what doesn't really help
3: is that we do have a rise in an extreme right wing. It affects it a lot because the right winger brings with it a nationalist perspective, which means the right wingers in the south are Greek, mm-hmm. which gives no space for Turkish speaking, and the right wingers in the north and the Turkish side, are pro-Turkey. So that means the one doesn't want the Greeks in and the other one doesn't want the Turks in. So it doesn't help. And the voice is strong. It's not just one little voice. They're in parliament. In both sides, they're actually in parliament, these voices. So that is not playing out well, generally.
2: How many women are there in your parliament?
3: I think there are Eight?
2: Eight.
3: But we have, we're talking about a parliament of, um, we're talking about a parliament of 53 people, but the speaker of the house is a woman. Mm-hmm. And the leader of one of the biggest parties is a woman. It doesn't mean the gender perspective is there, but there's a start. But we don't have enough representation in the South, at least. And there's a lot of, um, sexist, mis- misogynistic behavior in parliament because of this.
2: And with the rise of the right wing, Magda, is misogyny also on the rise? Oh, absolutely. It comes with the
3: territory. The right wing, there might be a slight, there might be a bit of misogyny, but the right wing actually voices it very, very strongly and viciously. And we also have, not in the north, but in the south, in the Greek-speaking side, the influence of the church.
2: Uh Uh-huh. Is that like Christian nationalism, Magda? Like what you're finding in the United States, which is rather scary to me? Well, they've got an opinion about my body, and no, they should not have an opinion about my body. It's and rather they should not. <laughs> I was just going to say, Magda, it's, it's rather amazing when you look at the developments in uh, the United States, for instance, over the last uh, four years, four or five years, you know the country that's supposed to be the model for democracy the model for empowering women for equality especially gender equality and then you find the rise of the right wing the christian nationalism and they are limiting and limiting the uh, liberties of of women that's okay. So this is finding its way to your country. I worry that it's also going to find its way to my country and Southeast Asia because we're all interconnected. Interconnected. What are the women doing at the community level, your group, Magda? What are you doing to sort of push back at this growth of uh, the right wing? Well, we are
3: pushing for, we've got fairly good people in place to push for the legislation for gender-based violence. Mm -hmm. We are now just about to start an implementation of the National Action Plan on 1325. Mm -hmm. But what bothers me, or I find the challenge, is that you can have legislations in place, you can implement projects, but how far into the community does it spread? Right. I mean, you get things like there's a law in place for femicide. Uh Uh-huh. How does the media report about that? What words are used? How does the community feel about that? I mean, this thing, it's not that bad anymore here, but this thing about when a husband beats a wife, well, it's a family affair. Gender-based violence is rampant here. The law is in place, but we all know that laws can be in place, but how well do you implement them? You
2: have to train the security sector. You have to train the police, and uh, that's that's if uh, they're willing to be trained. I don't suppose you have many women. Uh, we have many police women, do you, Magda?
3: No, we have a fair amount of women that are in the police, but does not mean they have sensitivities. They still need to be trained, and you also need to train judges. At the one time I remember, a fifty-two-year-old Vietnamese, and I'm giving you the age for a reason, Vietnamese woman was raped, and when she went to court they gave the man a light sentence because who would want to rape a woman over 50?
2: Oh, my goodness.
3: Really? So the, Yes. I mean, that was horrifying. So if you're over 50 and you're under 12, it doesn't matter. My I mean, it is goodness. one incident. It was, it was one incident, but one is enough.
2: Yeah. So I was just and thinking about, about myself, Magda. Okay, so I'm undervalued because I'm a woman. And because I'm over 60, I'm even more, I'm even more. Under- <laughs> Magda. Of course, I looked at it and thought, damn it, I'm over 50. Why does it mean I'm less
3: attractive right. as a woman? Because I'm over 50. I mean, it's, and the fact that the police were reporting, not that the media were reporting it, you also need to train the media to use, the. the media are getting slightly better of using gender sensitive language, mm-hmm. of being gender friendly, of not, Saying that the person, the woman was murdered was Filipino or Mm -hmm. Romanian. But if she's Cypriot, we don't mention it. Mentioning age. Mm -hmm. So there is violence there. We do need the training is happening, but it's not perfect. It's nowhere close to perfect because we also have an issue here with
1: trafficking.
2: Oh, yeah, because you are, you, you are on the, on the routing. From our part the, of the world to the other part of the world. And the bad part about Cyprus is because
3: of the green line that's in place
2: mm-hmm.
3: and the north, which is not not recognized. So it's, um, it's not bound by the laws, the legislations of the EU, the harmonized legislations. There are a lot of brothels in the north. But a lot of them, because of the green line, a lot of the women are trafficked through to the mm-hmm. south, they, you, the the green line has got checkpoints, so there is spaces they can cross them cross without going through a checkpoint. But they also sometimes use the police, mm-hmm. and the police will choose one of the six, and the five will go through. So it's, there's a lot of loopholes in the legislation because of our green line situation, and because the north has no real structure in terms of legislation. The situation is tragic in the north, and also in terms of femicide
2: so you know the way I, the way I I see this with all the conversations that we've had with our colleagues, for instance, from the Women's Alliance for Security Leadership, we were all pushing for better implement, uh, implementation of the women' peace and security agenda. So that was over twenty years ago when when they started it. But it seems to me, Magda, that every year there are new challenges. And I keep wondering, what is the UN doing to put more peace into the implementation of the Women, Peace and Security Agenda? You've had a chance to have a conversation with the Secretary General Gutierrez. What did peace say, Magda? What did he say to the four of you who were chatting with him?
3: Well, I have to say that at the time, because at the time something had really happened that day in Cyprus, so he focused a lot of Cyprus, which is surprising considering I was at the table with Mali, South Sudan, and Darfur. Mm-hmm. Okay, these mm-hmm. are three countries where people are dying, and the mm-hmm. conflict is real, and. I said to him, you've, um, you've got to put more women at the table. You've got to pressurize the people because the mandate in Cyprus is that it's a peacekeeping mandate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So by actually manning the green line and mm-hmm. keeping the two communities separately, you're actually keeping peace. All right. He was, he expressed a lot of anger at the male egos at the table.
2: Uh huh.
3: And I said to him, so why don't you push them or stop? Say, we're not going to come to the, we're not going to mediate or facilitate this conversation unless you have women at the table. And he went to say yes, because it's not his mandate. They can't actually tell them not to have a conversation without women mediators, which I disagree with. I think there's a way of actually forcing the hand of the locals without being aggressive or overbearing. And I agree with you that the UN, I believe, can do more. They have to do more, or else why do we have them on our the islands or within our spaces?
2: What, what really worries me a lot, Magda, is with the developments, for instance, in Ukraine. And the internal, Issues that the European Union countries, the United States, and other countries are, are facing—that less and less resources and less influence is going to be applied to help us with the implementation of uh, the Women, Peace, and Security agenda. So it's going to be left again to you and me and our brothers and sisters in the Women's Alliance for Security Leadership to say, hey, she may be over 60 and she may be a woman, but her value is the same as yours. It has the same value as any other woman's
3: body. Nice. Now, no, I agree with you. I think the resources are becoming less and less available, especially to the woman peacebuilders that really need a lot of support because I'm so tired of doing things as a volunteer.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which means the fact that they're asking me to volunteer means they don't value who I am. Uh, but I agree with you. I think, think that it's not enough. A lot of more weight has to be put on civil society I'm not sure if that's possible in all civil society because countries like Cyprus are ex-colonies. And when you were brought up in a colony, the culture is that the decision is made at the top. And your voice is not important because the top knows what they're doing. And to actually turn that around and say, you know what? No. The voice that counts is mine because I voted Whoever voted into power, I can get him out. He's accountable to me. So making, ensuring and empowering civil society to say that voice, their voices count and have to count. Their opinion counts. So I think it's, we need to find a way to re empower civil society, emphasize that they are important, emphasize that this is their country. So no one should be making decisions on their behalf. They should be making decisions. I should be talking, making decisions for myself, and the president or prime minister or whoever is accountable to me. I think we need to find a way to do that, and unless we do that, we can continue to be not as effective as we
2: should. That's true. Which reminds me, Magda, what about the young Cypriots? How are they? Uh, Is the spark of activism alive? can you reach them through social media? Do they do they support um, you know these advocacies that we have for equality for all, safety of women, a reconciliation between the divided halves of uh, Cyprus? Or do they say, "Oh, the heck with it! I'm going to get a better job outside of Cyprus."
3: Well, half of them say I. have don't want to stay here. I'm going to get a better job outside of slavery. Okay. But the one, but the one good thing that the UN is doing, one of the good things that the UN is doing now, is that they've spent the last two years having meetings or creating networks amongst the youth, mm. the youth and the women. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, they've worked really hard at it, and every time they've done something, they've included the women mediators. Mm -hmm. so they're really working hard and creating a community of younger people and the younger people are also doing things that are not necessarily peace building they're doing things like startups together Uh they're doing um, projects on climate change together they're doing projects on gender-based violence together so they are active but we've got to find a way to also get their voices up because the biggest problem is that what's happening on the ground whether it's women or youth or, what, or disabled, the voices have got to be find their way to the top.
2: You and I, and um, all of our fellow peace builders uh, around the world, we really have to find ways of reaching out to the successor generation. Because the reason why we're doing what we do is because of, you know, we have to admit it, because of our children. We want them growing up in in a, a better world and how do we get them on board to be part of the advocacy? That's uh, I think that's a challenge that uh, we have to have a special strategic planning session on Magda, the successor generation of uh, peace builders. I, mean, uh, I totally agree
3: with you. I mean, I have the example of my son who's 28. He's got a an okay job, but he's so despondent about the fact that because he comes from a middle class family and he doesn't have rich parents, he doesn't get the opportunities he would want in another, if he had rich parents. His mm. opportunities are limited. He also sees that the leadership is serving the elite and not serving everyone else. And he's, there's there a time that he was a little bit more active because my cousin was running for president and my son got really excited. But then when he saw that people were actually not interested, in change. Oh, dear. That all mm-hmm. that happened was that there was a, there's an expression in Greek that says, um, this is John, but he's dressed in a different way. Mm. So the person is the same, it's just in the, di- so he got very despondent and fell into, I, I'm not interested, I've got to get out of here, I don't know where I'm going to go, I've got no money. And he's very much a representative, a common representative of a lot of the disempowered the youth in our country. Not the youth, young adults.
2: Well, talking about uh, encouraging uh, young people, I'm kind of, I'm rather excited because um, in our organization, the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, uh, we have, for this semester, seven young interns, college graduates. Oh, wow. So it's, it's a way, because they're going to be working with us, they'll be... Listening to our issues, they'll be involved in the, the work we do. I can't help but think that part of our advocacy will seep through and uh, help us nurture the next uh, generation, the successor generation of uh, peace builders. Anyway, time anyway, is. I, 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 I do believe
3: that what I have done and the work I do is seeping through to my son. But there's also the bottom line that there isn't anything. He doesn't see himself for the future. And I can understand him. I can understand him. But I'm sure a lot of what I say has seeped through to him. Anyway,
2: we've got to hope that, I beg your pardon? He's still, he's still young he will find his uh, he will find his footing he'll find his uh, his, his way yes i'm i'm sure about it with a with a, a mom like you i am sure that uh, you can help him also find uh, find his way i wonder if my children say that of me maybe not I better have a heart-to-heart talk with you. It's really been great having this chance to have a deep conversation with you, uh, Magda, and I'm looking forward to having more chats with you. But in the meantime, before we go, perhaps you would care to share your message to our listeners. Um, And by the way, Magda, we've got listeners. We've now reached 98 um, countries. So the potential... Peace builders out there uh, or supporters of uh, peace builders, what is your message to them, Magda? Uh, My message would be that make sure in all the
3: conversations you're having, including the youth, reach out to the youth and not include them in the conversation in the way that you actually listen to what they're saying. So to me, support peace builders. We need all the support we can get as more instances. Peacebuilders. But in supporting women peacebuilders, make sure you're also supporting young people and including them in the important conversations around you. They are our future. We, they are our present and our future. But we need to start, not need to start, we need to carry on making them feel important because they are. So to me, that's the message. Listen to the youth. Open up a space and listen to what they're saying and work around that.
2: Thank you so much, Magda. You remind me of um, you know the message that my my mom also would give. She was in the Senate for nine years, and that was something that she would also say. You have to you have to listen to the young. They're, they are there, uh, and remember, you know, more and more, the young is a big part of the um, voting population. So we better listen to their voices before their voices actually become a raging tide of, of anger and desperation. So thank you. Thank you so much, Magda. Dear listeners, you heard uh, Magda Zenon of, of Cyprus and her message to, to all of you out there. And I do hope that this is a message that resonates with uh, everyone. At no other time, I think, has uh, conflicts really come home to all of our communities, not just communities like Muslim in or Myanmar or Ukraine, where you actually have armed conflict, but in what you think are peaceful uh, states, peaceful communities, the seeds of conflict are already starting to come in and starting to grow. So do please take heed of the stories that Magda has shared and the message that uh, she has given us. So this is Amina Rasul from the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying bye for now. I have to go check the carpenters to make sure the kittens are out of my ceiling and I will see you again for our next episode. Bye, Magda. Bye, Bye, Amina. And thank you for hosting me. You're most welcome. And we'll see you again soon, Magda. Inshallah. Inshallah.
1: Bye. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. The easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network.